0: we will have a problem and okay. welcome to the down in front podcast the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com thanks for so much for tuning in thanks so much for joining if this is your first time, kind of hang with us. I want to say thanks so much for hanging out with us. What we usually do here on the Down the Front podcast is that we review movies, TV shows, all a bunch of stuff. All while having usually our favorite alcoholic beverages. But we've been also mixing it up because it's a new year. So new new year, new us. And sometimes you don't actually drink alcohol. Tonight, uh, we are going to be giving you a full rundown and a full review of The Lego Movie 2. The second part. So I'm super pumped because I really, really enjoyed the first Lego movie a lot, so I was definitely excited once uh, we came to vote for this movie. And The last movie came out five years ago in 2014, so... I'm curious to see how that is, especially if it's in another sequel, and this is probably the biggest movie to start this year. So before Some of those we Lego to,
1: sets take a long time to build.
0: I know. I mean clearly all the Lego sets in this movie took like fucking forever. So <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. But that beautiful, beautiful, sultry voice you just heard, I have the marvelous mouth of the South. Brylan. what's going on, man? What you sipping on tonight and what else have you been watching?
1: I'm doing well this evening. Great to see you again, as always, Warren. Um, What I'm sipping on right now, I'm just uh, sipping on some nice green tea, just because it's kind of cold and nasty outside, so I just wanted to stay warm for the evening. Uh, But what I've been watching recently is uh, I went and saw in the movie theaters uh, the latest documentary by Peter Jackson, They Shall Not Grow Old. Uh, which is a documentary on World War One, and it's actually a very unique film to see. And I recommend that anybody see it, especially if you're interested in the te- technical craft of making movies or even re- restoration of film, uh, because it's not a documentary that kind of narrates like the whys and who are the key players of World War One. It takes all this hundred-year-old footage, especially footage that was filmed in uh, trench warfare in France. And Peter Jackson and his team, they, do, they use every trick in the book they can to kind of bring those images more to life so you can feel kind of immersed into what those soldiers experienced. And it actually makes for a really amazing visually uh, visual uh, tale of just the soldiers that were involved in this war. Um, and it's really neat to see how it's made. Uh, one cool thing I would say about this movie is uh, that uh, at the end of the movie they actually have a 30 minute like making of that Peter Jackson narrates and like talks you through how they did some of the tricks they did. So when they were talking about like trying to get the right colors for the uniforms to come out of these uh, of these uh, film of this footage um, they, they're like, where do we find World War uniforms? <laughs> it turns out, Peter Jackson is the biggest World War One nut on the planet, and he has an entire wardrobe of every single World War One uniform you can think of. Nice. When they needed to like reference like colors of cannons, he's like, "Let me pull out one of my fifteen cannon World War One era cannons out of my garage that That's you can creepy, actually look okay. at." And I was like, oh, I, I can understand why he wanted to make this. He's mad obsessed with World War One. That's a really interesting thing to do with um, all that Lord of the Rings money. Uh, but um, I think visually what they did with this movie is impeccable and stunning. And I don't know where it falls in award eligibility for Best Documentary, but maybe next year it could... Actually, be recognized for some award nominations for its technical craft because I think it's more of an amazing technical film than a story. But what I would love to see going forward is if they find more footage that kind of tells a tale of other areas or of other theaters' of war during World War One, and do the same type of restoration because I think it's uh, really neat how they did this. Or choose another moment in time, like. What if you took like the civil rights footage from the '60s and colorized it and increased the audio and tried to bring out like the the people's faces and their and the detail of who they are more? How that would actually impact an audience today? So that was, nice. it's fantastic documentary and definitely worth watching.
0: I mean, so couple questions: one, yeah. do you think it's already Oscar buzzworthy? Uh, that's the
1: thing is it had limited viewings right before January mm-hmm. so I don't know where it falls in the cutoff so
0: oh no 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 not 2018 Oscar I'm talking about in the next right right Oscar.
1: that's the thing is I don't know if it'd be eligible for next year because it's already been viewed
0: oh
1: interesting so I don't know if it missed out or not but if it is but if it is uh, eligible yeah I would definitely put it up there for Oscar worthiness because i mean it's definitely takes a much different approach than most documentaries and it's more of getting a feel of what you see rather than narrating a story for you nice and which i thought I, was great approach uh
0: my other question is is if this offers or if this provides you a uh, different view and experience should you see it in like imax or 3d and stuff like that or only 2d
1: um, I saw it in 3D. I don't think the 3D added that much to it unless you enjoy watching just still pictures come to life and kind of like come at you. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I saw in the 3D, but uh, once again, like reason why I don't see 3Ds, 3D 3 movies is the 3D most of the time doesn't work for me when I watch it, and I just don't see it happening. Okay. Uh, so I would see it in the cleanest digital picture. Maybe if you have the chance to see it in Dolby Cinema. Definitely see it that way.
0: I think you've been getting spoiled from that Dolby
1: Cinema.
0: (laughs) You Keep talking about it. (laughs) I am. The movie that we're going to review tonight, we actually saw in Dolby Cinema, so I was super pumped about that.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: The other thing I've been watching
1: is I went ahead and took some time. I started hearing some buzz about Steven Soderbergh's newest film, High Flying Bird, which is on Netflix. And this is probably my favorite movie of the year so far. Wow. Uh, I love what they do with this movie from the first scene till the end. Uh, it is smartly written. It is a very clever story about uh, the business side of the NBA and how it impacts players and agents and ownership. Where is everybody's hands and every, in the stake of these contracts and everything? And It also helps people understand, like, once these kids get drafted, it's not like they're handed tons of money and say, live your best life. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of struggle, and there's a lot of uh, conflict and renegotiation constantly, and there's a lot of eye-opening things in this movie. It lays out kind of the connections between all these players in the business of it the NBA really well, and I think it's almost a must-watch for any sports fan to kind of just get a better look and understanding of how these these sports uh, leagues operate because uh, we may be fans, we may love the game, and when something happens, we don't want to see when a player gets traded or a player is cut that we don't understand why um, this can give you a little bit more insight into the why's behind that. But also, it also takes the time to address uh, some of the systemic racism that's in the way the leagues are run as well. And I thought it was, did a fantastic job of portraying that as well. Uh, what's really neat about it, it is a drama, but every once in a while it cuts in to actually hear from uh, real NBA rookies about their rookie season and how it affected them and what were some of the lessons they took away when they became a rookie and got drafted into the league as well. So I thought that was a really neat addition to it. And it was all shot on an iPhone, so it has a really unique look to it, which is really cool. Uh, But I hope that this movie gets uh, brought up again when award season comes back around next year. Uh, especially for its acting. And I think um, I think the main actor in the movie, I want to say his name is Andre Holland. I want to make sure I got that right. Andre Holland, yeah. Um, I think he should definitely be considered for an award. But the person that really stands out for me, that I hope gets a lot of supporting awards, is Bill Duke. And it's amazing to see what he brought to his character of Coach Spence in this movie. He is utterly fantastic. I
0: right, see. I know. Um, like I, I, ha- I saw you kind of talking about it on one of our internal chats before, but I'm curious to kind of get more information and actually watch this, especially if it's on. Um, Netflix so I think that's actually really good Zazie Beats is in it and I have a huge Crush on her so this is all yeah. even Perfect for me um, to go check this movie Out so um, that's cool I know That's something that we, we actually may end up talking About a little bit later on so stay tuned for that But um, that sounds really dope especially If you yeah. already consider it as one of your favorite And the 2019 just began I really really Love that fact um, yeah. it, it almost felt like it was uh, uh, Get out when we reviewed that movie and we were blown away and then that the, the, the year ends and we were still blown away by Get Out. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. So I think that's actually kind of pretty cool. Even uh, yeah. Deadpool, too. That, that, that also happened with Deadpool. This was
1: also written by the uh, writer of Moonlight. So.
0: Ooh, Barry Jenkins. Wait, writer? It wasn't movie? Barry Jenkins. Well, yeah. No, it was... Uh, Telvin...
1: Is his name Telvin Alvin Smith, I want to say.
0: I was like, I got really excited for the, uh, for Barry Jenkins, but
1: hold on. Terrell Alvin McCraney.
0: Okay. Good stuff. Well, man, it's yes. always great to see your face. Always good to hear I hear you. So I'm super excited to get your sort of approach on the um, like, Lego like, like movie. My name is Warren. I will be your host this evening. Uh, what I am currently sipping on, this is actually funny because this may be our first episode ever, that we have nobody drinking alcohol. so kudos to us Uh, kudos to us Uh, yeah I am actually currently sipping on uh, pink lemonade with B vitamins it's a naturally flavored this seems like it's a this literally looks like a knockoff version of vitamin water Uh, by, by Whole Foods but it was definitely half the price so thanks Whole Foods I think it was really great um, so it's actually pretty good. Uh, I've been watching one thing, but really I've been binging um, a new manga series. I know a lot of people talks about how nerdy that we are, so I will talk about that in a moment. Uh, but we finally had a chance to finish Escape at Denimora. It was a seven uh, episode, seemed like it was a bit of a mini series. Um, so I think it was on Showtime, but I know we watched it like through Xfinity, sort of on demand. And I really, really enjoy the performance of um, Patricia Arquette. And, you know, Paul Dano's in it, and he was actually pretty solid. Um, I really like Paul Dano's character. Um, I really enjoy Benicio Del Toro's character, especially because I have seen him now in a lot of different roles. And this role here that he plays is very, very different than the role that he plays in
1: um, Star Wars.
0: (laughs) well yeah 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 that too but like the star i was gonna say star wars i really didn't like his really weird quick quirks that he was actually kind of going with uh but the other movie that i'm seem to (laughs) forgetting that also has josh brolin in it uh uh the movie he's a hitman sicario thank you um so definitely showing some range they're portraying people that you know you know, Escape from Prison, um, so it's a based on a true, like definitely widely based on a true story and something like that, so um, I just think it was crazy, Patricia Arquette like clearly, clearly should get an award, clearly should get multiple awards, because she definitely blew it away so, that's Escape by Denimora um, definitely enjoyable, so definitely go check that out, uh, but i actually been kind of upping up my nerdy game, and I have been reading tons of manga if you do not know what manga is, it's basically Japanese mm. comics, and it's great uh, and so I started, I got delayed about four hours on Sunday when I was uh, traveling up to Chicago, which was perfect, because I was able to read through about 67 chapters of My Hero Academia, um, cool. all through, actually kind of going through on uh, Viz. So. I don't know if you know, but Viz ended up becoming uh, basically a lot more accessible for everybody worldwide, which is amazing. Um, and Shonen Jump, and there's like uh, there's another one I, I can't remember the name, but basically it means that they there's no longer for Scanslation. So super super nerdy topic here for a moment, but uh, Japanese comics and artists they release some uh, they release their drawings and sketches to the media that's not sort of. Um, uh, translate it properly and sometimes there's hackers or leakers that get that information they translate it in their own it's not that good and these are called scanlations sometimes those scanlations really mess up uh, the meaning of the story from some of these really popular comics it happened before things like bleach things like Naruto and right now I, um, I now I'm reading uh, you know one piece and Hunter Hunter and so, Now that Viz has kind of released it all to the public and says, here you go, once it becomes live in Japan, it's going to be live everywhere, basically, and it's going to be a a quicker way to actually get official um, translations, it's been amazing. Um, so now we have, uh, access to their entire catalog instead of buying things and stuff like that. All you need to do is have a subscription. That's maybe two, three bucks a month. And you can go back and read any re- almost anything that's in the Shonen Jump series. Um, so it's really nice. It allows me to download. So I've literally have the ability to download a hundred chapters at a time on my iPad. And then I can just, just eat through these, which is actually really cool. So, um, definitely, uh, Big big shout-out, big kudos to everybody at VIZ and everybody at Shonen Jump. I appreciate that. I love My Hero Academia, and I know that Season 3 is coming out soon um, to actually watch that. So I definitely wanted to kind of read that up because Hunter Hunter sadly is on hiatus because of the uh, artist's uh, health issues, which I guess is fairly common, yeah. which is not very it's good. It's
1: unfortunate. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's a documentary. I yeah, think manga you talked on- about that, right?
1: Manga and anime creation in Japan is rough. It's yeah. – there's definitely something that needs to happen to that industry.
0: And it's crazy because it's so rough and difficult, and the fan base is way bigger than NFL, baseball, basketball, you name it. The fan base is transcendent around all the globe. It's transcendent around and over like a language barrier, and it's just amazing. And um, I think the one of the best examples for this was there was a video – on the, I think it was a college uh, NCAA final, uh, BCS Bowl, I think if that's what it's called, whatever. And um, there was a video that there was a bunch of fans just kind of walking around the street and somebody was singing the song of the One Piece sort of anime and they had a group of like maybe 20 random strangers all singing along. So I thought that was great. Um, so that's what i've been watching super nerdy but that's what i do um so if you're kind of still new to it i'll make sure that we link all of these things in the show notes of what we've been watching so you can definitely go check it out uh and it's because it's actually pretty fun for us so uh, thanks so much and as we usually do i'm going to go ahead and lift my drink as our favorite uh segment here is that we're going to be dedicating some cinda sips to all of our lovely people and all the things that we want to send the sips to so thanks so much and brian who are you dedicating your sip to tonight Oh, you're sipping too early. Oh, man. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, I'm dedicating my sip tonight to the God of Thunder himself, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, He and his team that have get him ready for all of his movie roles have recently released a health and wellness app called Center. And I signed up for a year. Just to try it out. I'm always looking for ways I can make my workouts more dynamic and continue my own journey of improving my health and livelihood as I'm hanging out on this blue planet that we're on. Uh, so uh, I'm going to see if it's pretty cool or not. So far, I'm just in like the research phase, going through the app, learning how it works and everything. But I begin my journey on Monday, and I hope to get some really cool results out of it.
0: Nice. So uh, we dedicate these sips Chris to you. you. Chris Hemsworth. God the Thunder. Uh, the Cooler Lord of Thunder. <laughs> cooler Hemsworth. Uh, my sip, my huge gulp is going to go to Copcom and the people who created Monster Hunter World because, goddamn, that game is addicting. <laughs> I have crossed a threshold of way too many hours playing. Uh, but I think one of the things I do want to kind of call out is. This game came out about a year ago, I think, uh, actually a little bit over a year ago, last January, and there has been hmm, maybe eight or nine different updates and kind of different addits to the game itself that was all free, which is mind-blowing. Um, so I think that's like absolutely phenomenal, the fact that everything's free, uh, basically free to play online as long as you have a PS uh, – or you, know, you have a membership to play online, whether it's Xbox, PC, or PS4. Um, So I think it's actually pretty great. And one of the most recent updates they did was the Witcher 3 collaboration, which is amazing. Uh, If you had a chance, I actually was live streaming that. So I want to make sure that you definitely go check that out. We were live streaming on Twitch and YouTube. And that was a lot of fun. So they're doing more and more sort of – uh, collaboration so i'm really really excited about that is it definitely a fun game i haven't really had this much fun in a game in a very very long time so i super pumped about this game so here's my sip to you capcom thanks for creating an amazing game
1: yeah you uh, tell me how many you show me how many hours you've played so far and there's only one game i have in my list of games i've played that have more hours
0: than that so (laughs) damn don't call me out brylon i didn't tell everybody my number so leave it (laughs) alone don't don't share my secrets so we are pumped very excited we are going to get into our spoiler section so if you have not seen lego movie part two um this is the time I will say you want to actually stop before we start reviewing and we're spoiling the movie. I would also say I took some time to watch the Lego movie number 1. I mean, this movie is only an hour and 40 minutes, so it's fairly short. Um, Lego movie part 2 is only 6 minutes longer, so again, fairly short under 2 hours, very very easy to uh, kind of watch. You definitely want to make sure that you refresh yourself. I think it was helpful to go back and rewatch number 1 before you go back to rewatch number 2 cuz I think it's going to be more beneficial to you just to enjoy the actual universe. So, uh, we will be right back for a full spoiler review of Lego Movie 2, the second part. <music> front podcast we are giving you a full spoiler edition review of Lego Movie Part 2 the second part. Um, we are in the spoiler section, so I do want to reiterate that we will be talking about and kind of breaking up the movie uh, and talking about spoilers. And I definitely think you want to make sure that you do kind of watch this movie um, unspoiled. Uh, as we usually do, we're going to break it up into uh, a couple different sections or topics. So we're going to talk about the acting and characters and spaceships for the actual movie itself. <laughs> and then we'll talk about the plot and the story and the music. And how great the music was for this movie. So, without further ado, I'm going to toss it over to the mouth of the South himself and says Bryland, talk to me about the acting, characters, and of course, the spaceships in this movie. Awesome, yeah.
1: Uh, so uh, we have all of our like original cast coming back from uh, the first Lego movie. And they continue to do a great job of building upon the characters they created uh, at that point. Uh, Chris Pratt is still a great Emmett Elizabeth Banks is great in her role. Um, who doesn't love uh, Charlie Day as Benny the Spaceship oh, Guy? So uh, his obsession with spaceships continues and goes beyond that in this film, which is really awesome. Uh, but I did want to mention, like, more of new characters and new actors that they actually added that I thought were really cool standouts. Uh, one that I thought was very awesome was uh, Chris Pratt does double duty and no he playing Emmett in this uh, in this movie, but he's also playing Rex Danger Vest, <laughs> and he is b- pretty much an amalgamation of all the characters that Chris Pratt has played, so uh, with a very like hard edge to him. Uh, when it comes as more as hard of an edge as a Lego character will have to him, uh, and it's uh, funny to see him and Emmett. Uh, talk to one another and interact especially before the big reveal at the end where Rex is Emmett from the future and it's just funny to watch because you see that Rex looks pretty much exactly like Emmett even though he just has like scraggly hair and stubble (laughs) Stubble. on his face (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: so good. I love even the fact that they hinted at that multiple times yeah. in the movie. Uh, oh, what's that on your, that even that sounds on your face? Like too. Like, oh no, yeah. But they hinted over the fact of this, the the stubble on his face earlier in the movie, and they hinted at these things. But it was like, oh yeah, cool. Like we're just going to worry about this later. But that actually ended up being like a huge plot point. So I definitely yeah. commend them on uh, making it like enjoyable. But it it also was the fact that you know people talk about. As being like an animated movie is not very serious, but they pull no stops and they make it engaging. Tons of character arcs in it, and it's as if it's a regular movie. So, um, I definitely, uh, I definitely really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, and I also loved uh, Rex's spaceship. Like uh, they called it the. What was he called like the Rexinator or something oh, like man. that? Yeah, I gotta look. It up and it was shaped like a giant fist, flying <laughs> <and laughs> around in space because he likes to punch things and break them. Uh, but also, his crew of Velociraptors is freaking amazing. Like when you see them walk around and they're talking about like, "Hey, hey, Joe, how was your Monday?" Is like, "Oh, my coffee's cold right now," and <laughs> stuff. And they're just having like casual like. Business conversation inside the spaceship Which I thought was a great laugh Every single time it happened
0: I love uh, that, the, especially because Jurassic World came out so soon, right? Last year, Jurassic mm-hmm. World 2 came out, and there was this huge plot point of the fact that he basically is the raptor, talker, whisperer, whatever. Um, they literally just made fun of it so easily in this movie that it was, just, <laughs> it was so enjoyable. Um, to the point where I'm like, man, I would only want to watch Jurassic World just to then watch this movie to see how much they talk about it, which is kind
1: of funny. Yeah, and I definitely have to hand it to Chris Pratt because – I mean, ultimately in this movie, uh, we find out Rex Dangerfest is kind of the bad guy that's trying to perpetuate the destruction of uh, – or bring up – bring up – bring upon uh, a mom – how do they say it, A mama pop – a mama papa, a lick A mama – a mama – no, it was
0: a, a mama-genna or something like
1: that? <laughs> oh, yeah. A mama
0: A mama-genna. <laughs>
1: yeah. A mama-genna, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a mama it. And um, – And they, uh, and Chris Pratt just does a fine job of like embodying one character with all like the positive energy and the joy that you want to see someone have in life, but also in a whole nother character, even though he seems very buddy, buddy and everything, he does have this darker overtone to him of feeling like he was cast away and, uh, and, um, And forgotten about. And that's why he has a chip on his shoulder about everybody having fun and, like, thinking that everybody's getting brainwashed by musical songs and things being happy and everybody trying to get along together. So you can actually kind of empathize with him at the same time where he's in his predicament. And it's also, I think, comes to, uh, like, a very satisfying conclusion of what happens to Rex. Uh, in the end, because uh, he ultimately kind of gets, he kind of gets what he wants, but also at the same time, uh, he is happy that Emmett turns out to be a better person than he'll ever be. So it was really cool way of that they how they brought those two characters full circle together.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I'm just looking through some of these kind of credits, and we talked about you know, how. Uh, some of the characters are. I didn't even realize who are the voices of some of these other characters, yeah. and so I'm, I'm even more excited just to kind of name off a few. I'm super glad that they actually got Jason Momoa to play Aquaman, <laughs> Force,
1: Aquaman himself. Yeah, which was
0: a kind of bummer because you know Col- Kobe Smolder plays Wonder Woman, uh, and I was like, oh yeah. okay. Uh, but then Ralph Fiennes comes back to play um, Alfred Alpha. from The yeah. Lego Batman movie. Uh, but Will Forte is playing, you know, Abraham Lincoln, which I don't know if he did in the original Lego movie. Uh, but as I'm like scrolling through, I'm like, the hilarious kind of Bruce
1: Willis moments was just absolutely amazing. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> Bruce <laughs> Willis making fun of Bruce Willis should be a thing in almost every movie. Uh,
0: <laughs> Like, the fact that it's like, what, what does he keep doing in the... In like, why is he here? Why he just
1: winds up in the vents all the time. Ah, <laughs> uh,
0: so, such a good... Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah. There are just so many good actors and actresses and so many... Such good voice work. I'm s- just very proud, and I'm glad that it seems as though a lot of people were having fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely want to give another... Like, a, also a big shout-out to Tiffany Haddish as Queen whatever Wan- Wan- Wanabi. Um... She she does actually adds a lot of fun sass to that character. I mean, Tiffany Haddish is definitely known for playing the sexy and or the sassy independent uh uh woman that is trying to get through a man's world in most of her movies. Mm-hmm. And she brings that sass into this character, and it's neat because you first meet her and she's talking with all the sass and like Whatever she's going to do is going to be what happens, and you think, oh, she's evil and controlling and stuff. But it, we we find that that's not the case at the end, that she's just got a sassy attitude, but she is doing what she thinks is the right thing to do in order to um, kind of merge – or actually uh, bridge two worlds together from – The Sistar system and the Lego characters from uh, the original like Apocalypseburg. I forget what the name of the original city was, but I think it was like uh, Legoburg or something like that. I think
0: it was something city. It was Happy City or –
1: It was something like that.
0: Something like that, yeah. uh, We'll we'll look it up. Yeah, we'll look it up.
1: But uh, I found that to be a neat twist with her character. Uh, I just wish with uh, the Queen we had a little bit more time to kind to learn the Queen and get some more depth out of it. She did feel a little bit superficial at times that she was there to read off like sassy lines. And then at the end when the big reveal of the Queen's original true form happens, uh, it's more of like she's kind of the MacGuffin of the whole story. And... And that uh, she's not an actual character to care about, which I found a little disappointed in.
0: Especially because if, if, it seems as though there should have been just as much focus and more care and background and ex, um, exposition for her character as we got with the Rex Danger Vest. Um, but it wasn't there, and I definitely kind of agree. It felt like as though her character should have been set up for more of a focus uh, and figure out why she's a shapeshifter, right? They, they didn't really talk about that. That's not a real toy uh, necessarily that, you know, kids have the ability to kind of play with shapeshifters, but um, that's something that something would have been kind of interesting, especially that they have here. Um, also, although we had sort of songs in the first movie this, no, None of the characters actually broke out In an actual musical number Much like we did in this movie So right. I felt like that was a Very very different Approach to this character as much as I enjoyed it There was other moments that I'm like Ooh this is kind of getting away from A Lego world Like things yeah. The Lego Seeing the Lego pieces right I felt like they kind of branched off to that Which I think made sense in the movie um, so Yeah like, like the
1: song yeah, like the song "Gotham City Guys." Uh, it's a good song. It's a fun song. It probably plays better in a Lego Batman
0: movie. Yes,
1: bro. rather than yes. or like a Batman cartoon movie.
0: Yeah, it definitely felt like Batman became the center of attention for why. Um, it was kind of weird the fact that even Batman was even getting married, knowing that. Emmett was, like, the leader, and we know that yeah. Emmett was a chosen one, so I thought that was kind of weird that it felt like it kind of derailed, and they wasn't entirely sure, and they wanted to have Will Arnett just be hilarious, which I'm fine with, because I freaking love Lego Batman. And I love his Batman version of it, yeah. uh, and also the new costumes for Batman being white and glittery, um, but <laughs> it definitely did uh, distract me from what else was going on, because at that time that was happening, I kind of wanted a bit more of the mechanics of what's happening with the story with Emmett and how he ended up becoming Rex, right? I, right. I, I I, would really much rather see those machinations of how it has been created and less of the fluff and the fun or just give me more of the character development for um, Queen, whatever, or be, and not just, you know, hey, I'm not evil. Hey, I'm not evil. She has a song that talks about she's not evil. Spoiler alert, she actually isn't evil, but we don't know that right. in the movie, right? And so we're sitting here also believing uh, wildfire. What's Wildstyle? style? There you we go. We're sitting here believing wild style, and it's like, I, I, clearly they're evil. She's saying she's not evil, but in this movie, she's clearly evil. But again, that was another red herring. The, the, the difficult thing about doing that particular red herring or sort of misdirection was we didn't really get a payoff until, you know, the 15 minutes left in the movie. And it's like, well, that's tough, because we're watching this movie an hour and 20 minutes thinking that they're going to be evil, and the payoff is not, and so it seems a bit of a waste.
1: Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you mentioned earlier, like, some of the other char- like actors they got to do, some of the cameo voices. Uh, two of the cameo voices I wanted to point out were, especially some, two of my favorite uh British actors, uh, Richard Ayoide as mm-hmm. the Ice Cream Cone. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic. Uh, he's from the IT crowd. He um, And uh, he's always been hilarious. And then Noel Fielding from The Mighty Boosh as Balthazar, the glittery vampire. <laughs> um, he was fantastic as well as just like spoofing on um, all the Twilight vampires and just acting like he's this. Uh, character that's going to brainwash everybody, which he really doesn't. He just gives them makeovers, where that includes glitter all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, oh, did you have something nah, to say? Nah, you're good. No, you get. All right, uh, but yeah, there was one character that I found just kind of puzzling throughout the movie, and that was General Mayhem or Sweet Mayhem, as she's called uh, when she. Re- Takes off her helmet, and the reason for that is she's set up really well for having this like cool suit and cool helmet, and having this voice modulator makes her sound like she's gonna be the big bad of this movie. Um, Also, she has a really cool spaceship, and when the Lego characters try to attack it, like she, her. Weapons are just a lot more powerful than theirs, so they can't really hold up to it. Uh, She's even a more modern Lego figure. She's like part of the like Lego Friends set, which is uh, like a middle, like an in-between set series of Duplo and Lego series. So if you want, it's like to introduce like younger kids, but not grown up enough for the complex Lego sets to do something kind of simple and fun, uh, but also get characters that are a little bit more human-like. Um, but, uh, she's, she's the one that goes out and does quote unquote, the queen's dirty work to actually kidnap these characters and bring them to the Sistar system. And, um, we're wondering why she is kidnapping them, why she's using, uh, these violent means, even though it's like shooting stars at people, um, that uh, that it's 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 kind of odd to like see her go through all these like kind of criminal ways of getting people to come to this wedding that's supposed to bridge the gap of um, one Lego world with another, uh-huh. uh, and then at the end when we have the reveal of her there's no real connection of her to anybody else Uh that I guess when we see her and her hair is like multicolored and everything that we're, we're supposed to kind of think that Wildstyle sees her and kind of sees her younger self in her. Maybe that's kind of afraid, but also a little naive and wanting to do the best thing, but doesn't really know how to do it. Um, But I really feel like that connection was kind of weak. Uh, when that happens. And um, like no uh, no uh, disregard to Stephanie Beatriz. I thought she did a good job as a character. It's just the character just didn't feel like it fit well into the uh, overall story. The movie probably could have been just as well without her.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't agree with you more. I definitely felt like that was um, a bit of a wasted character. So much so that I thought that journal mayhem was actually wild style from a a different timeline a future or something like that so it's still kind of somehow messed together um i did think it was interesting though that they did kind of explain why they came with violence at this point because they basically had been fighting them off for five years straight and so they wasn't even sure you know when they came to that planet they were trying to be peaceful but when they came And playing Peaceful, they try to fight them off, fight them off. So they've always been fighting them off, but they never actually tried a a peaceful tactic. So I kind of get that sort of background to it. But I I, I definitely felt like that that character was a waste. Stephanie Beatrice is absolutely hilarious. I love her on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And so – it's kind of a bummer that she has a role that's not really utilized. Um, and I think another kind of thing is I, I feel like this was trending on the side of maybe too many roles, maybe too many people, um, and I felt like that's what they did with, uh, that's probably another reason why a lot of people didn't really like Lego Batman besides it, you know, not really fit into the storyline. Um, uh, definitely why a lot of people did not like the Lego Ninja movie, <laughs> but yeah. they just felt like just like I too, see the Ninjago too much. the movie. Yeah, it was fun. I, I definitely watched it, but it yeah. didn't make sense. Um, but like you, you just, you spread yourself out a bit too thin. So, um, I'm glad that they didn't take everybody. They didn't even have, you know, um. Morgan Freeman from the first movie. They didn't have him in the second, although he's technically dead. But, you know, so they didn't have him. They really kind of focused on the core six or seven members from the first movie, which was not the core people from the first movie, but whatever. Um, And so they kind of really focused on that. I think that was a very smart move not to overblow it and kind of introduce a few uh, newer characters. I'm just kind of bummed that two of the really main new characters they have, Queen, whatever, Wannabi and General Mayhem was some of the weaker ones. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a like- bit of a bummer.
1: Even though he has bit parts, like Surfboard Dave has some really great moments. Oh when, man, like, so good! During the apocalypse and stuff, it's like he become, instead of Surfboard Dave, he what does he become? Like
0: Chain, uh, Chainsaw Dave. Chainsaw I think Dave. Yeah. <laughs> but then later on, he also changes his name. it was the last? Was, it was another change. I mean, these are some of these like hit moments that are just like, oh, that's that's clever. That's funny. I get it. But the, he, this person literally comes from the first movie. Which is mind-blowing, right? Like that's another thing that you're setting something up five years later or you at least kind of can tie things back to five years later and be like, oh, that's funny. I really like that. <laughs> nice.
1: Um, yeah, lastly, when it comes to characters, um, the last person I want to talk about is one of the live-action characters we get to see in the movie, which is Maya Rudolph as the mom in the Amamageddon. Um, Maya Rudolph – now cannot do any wrong in my book uh she's fantastic in anything that she does now uh her mom it hits all the right marks in this movie even though she's there for like two scenes i mean just the uh feeling uh like the feeling of being a mom that has to put her foot foot down literally and figuratively when (laughs) kids can't get along with the um with the uh um like with playing with her toys, or just like trying to share and everything, she uh, she just kind of embodies what that mom looks like, and what that and what the caring mom that's going to have to put her foot down uh, looks like as well. And I love that she has the infamous like final straw, which is stepping on a piece of Lego, and the pain that comes with that, and that's what causes a And so that was fantastic how they did that.
0: I love the fact that they gave her her little opportunity to kind of shine, um, kind of feeding off of that. I was really bummed that we literally got one, maybe we got one line of President Business, which so is Will Ferrell, who's like, oh, I'm going to go play golf, and left. Which, <laughs> which is hilarious. I, I think it's hilarious for sure because I was like, was that a jab at Trump? Because that's hilarious. And he like literally at the beginning of the movie, up says, I'm going to go play golf and peace is out. And then the world turns to Armageddon. And I'm like, is this a jab at Trump? Because I am all about this. This is great. Um, so I thought that was absolutely amazing. And then lat- the la- uh, we got his uh, – uh, him screaming off camera. I was like, kids, listen to your mom, sort of things. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, I was bummed, though. I, I kind of wanted a bit more of Will Ferrell. Um, I felt like he was pretty um, serious in the first one. He didn't really get a chance to do anything comedic at all in the first movie. And in this movie, he just straight up leaves. Uh, live action. Live action doesn't do anything co- comedic. So I guess it's okay. Um, but it was kind of bummer that yeah. I really wanted a bit more of him.
1: But yeah, like, I mean, he he did the same thing that, like, Maya Rudolph did in this film, in the first one, where he plays that, like, caring father that also has to kind of teach responsibility to his kids as he goes along, or um, just help them understand the rules, and when the kid wants to bend the rules, what does that look like, and how it impacts others, so, I mean... He's one of those actors that can definitely tread the line between hilarious and dramatic really well. Um, and yeah, in this one, he, he is kind of underutilized. But you know what? With Will Ferrell, even him screaming off of a side of a camera is still entertaining.
0: Very true. I can't I can't agree with you more there. I love almost all of Will Ferrell's work. I gotta say, almost yeah. now. Cool. Yeah. I mean, so I the. We're talking about the acting character in Spaceships, uh, damn, I have never seen an end credit sequence as phenomenal as this. Yeah. I mean, it has nothing to do – we're in a, a day and age now that everybody feels like there's some sort of stinger or spoiler at the end of the movie, and they kind of – I think they kind of made their way away from that. We sat there in the movie – um, we watched this in Dolby, and we sat there, and I was completely enthralled with the actual end-credit sequence. And they had such a meta song before, as talked <laughs> about the end-credit sequence is going to be the best part of the movie. And boom, it literally was with the colors, the music, a new song by Matt and Kim, which I'm definitely biased to. Yeah. I, can't, I can't talk enough about how phenomenal that was Um, so kudos super super kudos because it feels like nobody talks about an end credit sequence unless it's a stinger at the end you know yeah and it
1: looked like they actually built uh, real motorized sets and it wasn't a CG or stop-motion animation to make those things happen that they actually had to queue up and actually move the Legos and film the Legos at a certain point to capture uh, those end credits But one thing I actually re- really appreciate About the end credits was They would take time every once in a while And I guess they did some type of a Submission thing where um, They say like Uh show us two people in your family and the Lego set you built together. And I thought that was fun to like include that. And that you saw like, Oh, here's Jim and Pam, their brother and sister from the United States. And here's the spaceship they built. And it's always really cool to just give a shout out to everyday people and the appreciation and the love they have for, um, this, uh, this franchise because uh yeah i'm a diehard lego fan and i still collect them to this day and i know what that feeling is of just like feeling like um having a company and a uh like a, a toy or uh a building set that you can always rely upon and give you those feelings
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean i just really enjoy. I, I, There was just everything that was working For that and it kind of Put a a bit of like multiple Exclamation points for how fun And enjoyable this movie was Which is crazy because I'm talking about the ending Credits first but um, Definitely I would say um, Just stay tuned and just kind of just go through the actual Credits I think it's a lot of fun so I definitely Kind of enjoyed that I loved how much Fun this movie was with all the characters And all the even with the introduction of the new Characters um It was still uh, so hilarious that, you know, we talked about the Danger Vest and how he just made fun of his Jurassic World. Charlie Days just being Charlie Days just screaming uh, random things in the actual (laughs) movie. I thought that was actually kind of great. Then Um, he's one of the best. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure. But you know, the last thing and just you know, the the other huge reveal that they did at the end of this actual story was the fact that the origin of the song Everything Was Awesome has actually that was created by Wildstyle. And this was blows my mind here is I went and rewatched I told you I watched number one. When Emmett is showering in number one, his hair is kinda of messed up and disheveled and he then combs it over. The style when his hair is all messed up and disheveled is Rex Danger Vest. Yeah. So I was like, oh come on, that's great. <laughs> the other thing to know is when everything was awesome was big and stuff like that. Like it just became big and then it did kind of disappeared and she kind of came back randomly as Wild Style. And so that, I thought, was also hilarious because there was also some things that they were hinting at that she was the original creator of that song, which we didn't know about. Um, So I'm really glad they kind of put that in.
1: When they washed her hair, like, they did, like, kind of a reverse like thing you would usually see like the colorization of the hair go out and it'd yeah. be the natural hair color where in her hair the black came out and we saw her natural hair color is the green and the purple <laughs> spiral together
0: which is so great um yeah and i thought it was hilarious because uh the story itself and are we going to get into this one in a moment the story itself is going to be great because it definitely kind of brings um a good amount of levels and we have some arcs in the story we actually have some emotional beats which i thought was great because in a lawless world some very mad max which i'm super bummed i really wanted to see um Charlize Theron pop, uh, pop up in here i thought that would <laughs> be great uh but like a mad max sort of like lawless society Emmett was still trying to talk about you know Creating something more and kind of building on something even more. Hey, as he created this house with all the fancy things, and they did the same sort of slide over that Batman and Lego Batman had. So, I'm really glad they actually kind of put some emotion, uh, a bit more emotion behind in this story, and not just kind of an origin story for Emmett from uh, number one. So, I thought that was really cool to kind of really get some emotional backing to some of these characters. Although it's a cartoon, although it's animated, I think it was still very fun. So uh, talk to me about the plot and story And I know we talked a bit about the music So we're definitely going to talk into this So take it away, Bradley
1: Yeah, so um, One thing I want to mention off the top Before we get into this is After seeing Lego Movie uh, And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse And now Lego Movie 2 uh, Lord and Miller um, They amaze me Every single time they come out With a movie now Where the, the stories they write, they're filled with so much depth and heart that, um, that you would think like when the Lego movie was first announced, like, okay, someone's going to make a movie about Legos. It's going to be probably visually stunning and not that much you care about. But they put so much heart and complexity about this idea of following the rules versus being your own creative person and individuality. That is so deep, but it's also about the bonding of a father and son as well over uh, shared interest. That um, that you're like you're blown away by how incredibly um, mature it actually makes the um, the content of the film, and they continue to do that, especially with some like Into the Spider Verse, and they even continue to do it here, where we have a story about. A brother and a sister, where the brother has been playing with the Legos since the first film, and it's five years later, and he's grown up, and he's actually starting to deal with uh, becoming a teenager and what that means. What are, where is his feelings at? That they're becoming unfocused, and he has a lot on his mind. And uh, when, apparently, when his parents told him to start letting his sister play along with those big giant sets that his dad built into built in the basement that he kind of feels like something special is being taken away from him. And then that's why we get this apocalypse Berg uh, happen is that uh, these Duplo characters, which are the first Legos that his sister plays with start. It becomes that classic sibling rivalry thing where it's like i'm gonna shoot you my laser gun no but i have a master shield that'll block any lasers you shoot at me Mm -hmm. and i love that they actually take the time to add that in where you can relate to it and feel that nostalgia about playing with your own siblings as well i have an older brother so i've definitely been there uh many many times when it came to uh like Trying to see who can whose imagination can out trump the other's imagination, which it is, and it's um and it, it, and I think it's just so important to have this played out on screen for young kids, so they can see a story that treats childhood very maturely and respectfully. That it's okay to fight, to actually disagree with one another, and even fight with one another. Uh, as long as you learn why you should uh, why you should play together too and what you can get out of that and what the other side of it if and also if you do hold a grudge how it can actually bring more negativity past just playing the game and into the relationship versus coming to an understanding with one another mm-hmm. and I thought that was. It was, I thought when the reveal of Queen Whatever Wanna Be is the gift that Emmett built initially to give to the Duplo aliens, that that hit me very, very raw emotionally. Like I was like, oh that's that's one of the sweetest things I've seen in a movie in a while. But it's also very meaningful when it comes to that point as well. I felt like you could actually kinda see it uh coming a little bit. Just because the color of uh, the queen's bricks, not racist. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw. I was like, I don't know how he's going to deliver this line, but no, it's not. It's not racist. I no no no. <laughs> the the um, one thing i kind of the one thing I was cu- cu- uh, kind of bummed but about was I wish that was actually in the first movie. That should have been. That, that should, have should have ended. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But God. but. Um, I, I just found that even though there there are some I do think they are overstretching the plot a bit. The emotions and the the lessons to learn are still there, and they're still just as well done as they were in the first Lego movie. Yeah. Um, also, like the animation is fantastic, uh, using Legos to make the and animating them to bring these. Uh, worlds to life is a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I just am reminded by like all the Lego Star Wars video games or the Harry Potter video games and just how fun it is to like build something in one of those games and uh, see how they actually use Lego to kind of recreate those stories. it, make, it gives me that type of feeling again. Uh, but also I love the like the whole duplo monster attack. On the uh, on the city, Uh, it actually is a a really visually stunning uh, work. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I it just means that I just kind of just blown away how deep these stories are, and again, you know, I think you mentioned that you hit this like right on the nail of the head: the fact that. I can understand, and if I'm blown away by Pixar, I'm still going to be blown away by Pixar, but I get it because that's what they're known to do. I mean, god damn. I went to go see Toy Story 3 with when I was a camp counselor, and I was basically crying in the theater with my campers. <laughs> they didn't care, but it was a movie clearly made for me, who like grew up with the Toy Story franchise. And then you get sort of surprised when this happens outside of Disney and Toy Story Universe, and you know, very similar. It kind of, kind of gets there a little bit with Lego Movie One, but not really. That felt like it was a bit more uh, surface level, but still fun. Um, yeah. But man, Into the Spider Verse blew me away emotionally, especially <laughs> how how different we can be, yet we can still be kind of accepted. And there's more people out there that are like you, even if we look different, and that's okay. Um, so that really, really kind of hit me. Uh, especially to the fact that that which is something with acceptance, and that was they, they actually are talking about acceptance and being who you are is completely okay, you can still do um, whatever you want to do. So that now we talk about the Lego movie, which I did not realize we're going to be able to get this deep, but it kind of blows me away over the fact that you know, I'm the youngest of five, and I've been there, I've done that, you know, had the. You know, my older siblings had to share their toys, and I tried to play with my older brothers, and they don't want to play. Um, and just the focus on play and the focus on just like siblings and much of you talk about was very, very helpful. It definitely was a, a backdrop to the story, but it still was a good amount of focus on the story. And so, not many people play with toys too much. I, I don't think. Especially because everything's kind of um, all online, right? And uh, you have a phone, iPad, right. or something like that. Especially young, so you have some sort of video game that's animated and it's tough to actually build blocks and kind of build that up. So I, I think that was really, really um, mind blowing for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I also like wanted to go back to like just how they animate things. I love when. The difference between being in the Lego worlds and also being in the real world, and then seeing like Emmet be sent un- to the Undar syst- or to the planet Undar in the Dryar system.
0: Ja, Dryar. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I love the names in this movie, so um, but it, it was really cool to see just that toy that's forgotten underneath like the dryer and dust collecting and stuff like that like how many toys have you had that that similar thing has happened and to put that kind of emotional emotional resonance into how that how that toy might have felt yeah. if being left underneath there I thought was amazingly well done and it makes a character like Rex danger vest feel a a lot more relatable as well Which I yeah. thought was uh, Definitely well done And is uh, makes this movie much better Than um, it should be I think
0: uh, And it's crazy because that plot point Was almost it, well, it definitely wasn't taken from It was definitely different But I remember Toy Story 2 and thinking Holy shit This toy is finally being kind of preserved And Woody got cleaned up by the guy had like a new he got shined his boots he repainted everything he made it look pristine and i've and i've always thought was like oh shit like in the first movie i kind of felt bad when i don't play i don't play with toys this is how they feel and now when people idolize some of these toys that we see on like amazon ebay stuff like that it's crazy to think that you know how these toys are feeling how they want to kind of stay in that um uh, some unaltered but, like, very pristine and kind of perfect sort of a uh, uh, state, which I think was kind of crazy because he ended up, like, the... I can't remember the name of the villain in uh, Toy Story 2, but he ended up kind of going uh, rogue because he wanted to make sure that they can keep that perfect life. And so I also think it's funny that, you know, in the first movie, when Emmett kind of breaks the... Um, uh, cartoon or Lego world and goes into the real world, he has these visions from before, right? He has these visions in um, number one. And number two, he also has these same visions, too. So I'm like, is there Five something 15. there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something's <laughs> about 5'15". It's something about a dolphin that's like a talking ice cream clone, and Batman's kind of covered with glitter. But that's the dream, right? It's like Clearly it's not, but I love that they are already pulling storylines from the first movie and talking about themselves, too. But it's also talking about, like, cheesy, pretty bad sort of sci-fi movies who also do it the same way, just not as good.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, also, like just like the visual differences between the different Lego worlds here. So we see, after the many years of fighting with the Duplo and everything, um, the Happy Lego City has become Apocalypseburg, and it looks like Mad Max, and it's like the um, they're basically living inside the head of the Statue of Liberty, and everything's behind a large metal wall and apparently batman became the king at one point uh because he's sitting on a giant throne he has the biggest gun to shoot at things <laughs> um but uh i think it's uh really cool to see that because it's kind of reflecting uh the brother and like what type of uh, where his imagination is taking him right now like they kind of allude to like Growing up and getting older, like you start to explore darker elements in your life and everything. And they even mentioned like having you seen the Matrix? No, because that's for that's for older kids.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great.
1: Um, but uh, it's cool to see, like, yeah, he has like this Mad Max world that he's built out, and then um, his sister. In the Sistar system, it's still bright and colorful and shiny, but it's also uh, chaotic too. So there's different mix mismatches of things that um, that are happening, but also there's um, I don't know. I don't want to call it like the Sistar system. Like a lot of it is about trying to control others to be like them, Mm -hmm. but it's more of a very overly aggressive way of just saying play with me now. So you think about like the young sibling that annoys you is like, let's play, let's play, let's play. And that's kind of like the same feeling mm-hmm. I got when we visited the Sistar system that it's aggressive, but also shiny and happy at the same time. Uh, but also the Sistar system full of music too. And they, man, Lord and Miller, I mean, Everything is awesome was a fun, fantastic, catchy song to take away from the first Lego movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure it got nominated for an Oscar. I don't know if it won that it year didn't. or not. It, it didn't. didn't. No. Um, I,
0: was, I was I was real pissed,
1: but whatever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But um,
1: but they even have a more catchier song in this movie called "Catchy Song," <laughs> and it's. It's amazing because the the lyrics are very simple and everything. It's something you would expect from a younger sibling. But it's still fun and vibrant and still makes these characters just stand out. And it makes the movie a lot of fun. And even the other songs, I enjoy too. Even if they feel like they don't necessarily belong in the world, I think they still do a great job. Uh, Especially like when they start saying everything is not awesome and they're being put into the bims oh, Bins and a mama a mama has happened um <laughs> just the Benny's line is like i finally understand radiohead <laughs> it's <like> one <laughs> yeah. of the most like preteen like malaise phrases you could actually throw at something um i find that to be hilarious
0: there was, <laughs> I love a lot of those lines cuz again some of the kids are, are not going to get it at all. I think that would be kind of great. Um, but there were just so much jam-packed stuff they kind of put in this movie for older or adults to kind of get and kind of laugh at. And it says, oh, I remember that. This is actually pretty funny. So uh, I'm just glad they kind of put that in the actual film itself. I thought that really, um, that really was great. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking up the 86th uh, annual, annual Academy Awards because now that you've uh, said that, I'm curious to see who do they lose out to. Um, so, oh, Alfonso Cuarón won for Gravity. <laughs> okay. so Of course. So, yeah, of course. <laughs> he wins all the time. Um, so, for Animated Feature... Damn, it also wasn't in 2015. So, weird. Because that was back in Frozen. So, I'll look at that. That's okay. Um, so, uh, only a couple things I do want to kind of mention here was really kind of two things. There was one in which I'm glad that they didn't retread over. I'm glad that this Lego movie was not like Lego Batman, although that enjoyed it and the Lego Ninja movie. Um, The Lego Batman just took off a kind of a side for one character and kind of explained that, but it was its own universe. Actually, excuse me, it was the Batman universe, but it was kind of like a a satire of the Batman universe as a whole. It was very, very fun. It was enjoying. I genuinely enjoyed it, but it definitely was a disconnect. Lego, the Ninja movie had nothing to do with any of this, and that was basically a Ninja movie that wanted to be Legos, and Jackie Chan was in there for some strange reason. Um, and so this movie then comes out, and I was kind of nervous that I knew it was going to uh, still deal with the first movie, but I wasn't entirely sure how close. And I think by the opening sequence, because it literally picked off where the last line of the movie ends, was perfect. Um, so I'm really glad this st- there was some strange, some crazy continuity um, there. I talked about the continuity with Emmett's hair and the songs and the music. I thought that was actually really, really helpful, especially that they have a WNBA player in here, which is great. And they have Gary Payton, right? There were some things they put in the first movie that should have been like a little bit more equality, and they kind of made sure they can try to kind of put it into the second movie. So I did really enjoy about that. The one thing I was kind of bummed about, though, is I think for the first about maybe 25, 30 minutes of this movie, I, could, I was definitely losing a little bit of steam uh, because we got – those characters that we had talked about, right? We got the General Mayhem character. We got the Queen, whatever, what, Nobby's character. We got some music numbers that all came out of nowhere. Um, and it's a tough way to start a movie because you have to get some buy-in quickly. And it's like, oh, what's going on here? And so... That, I think, was very entertaining for me, uh, kind of getting past that, but it was definitely tough, and I can see, I think I was sitting in the theater like, ooh, I don't know if I like where this is going, and then it turned around really quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. so the, I, I just really hope that people aren't dissuaded as much. Uh, I, I love the movie, I thought the movie was, like, crazy enjoyable, um. And especially because they talk about... so, This is jam-packed with movie, other movie references, other character references, other satire references, music references. It's just jam-packed with everything that we want to see in a movie like this with also the actual actors themselves. So definitely go um, check that out. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into our lasting thoughts and a bit of a conclusion. So Brylin... Talk to me about the Lego Movie Two for your final thoughts. Would you recommend this movie? And if you do recommend this movie, what other movie would you talk tell people to watch beforehand? Uh,
1: I would definitely recommend seeing this movie. Uh, I felt that Lego Movie Two was just as good as the first one. I am enjoying this series. I continue. I hope they continue to explore what they can do with this uh, film. Franchise as well. I felt that Lego Movie 2 was uh, just different enough to kind of keep you more interested in what they're building in this universe. Even though they, I feel like the plot of the movie kind of got a little bit uh, over complex at times. Uh-huh. But um, what I what I really love to see come out of this would be like a spinoff movie that's just. Uh, starring Benny, the Spaceman, (laughs) and like his love of spaceships. I love everything about that character. He's by far my favorite character in the first Lego movie. Um, Just when I saw the little Spaceman that had his little astronaut symbol kind of scratched off and worn, and the little break in his helmet, I was like, wow, that's exactly like the characters I had when I was (laughs) building those same Lego spaceship kits. And I was like... Uh, that that's just brilliant. Um, that's just brilliant uh, work of creating and the authenticity of the Lego experience, which I thought was was amazing. And I thought, uh, and I think they need to continue just keeping Lord and Miller like the the runners of this series to keep that authenticity going, and just continue to build out these really cool lessons that young kids can really appreciate and take away from these films.
0: I mean I can't agree with you more. So right now by far this is one of my this is my favorite movie of 2019 especially because January was not the best uh, month for nah. movies. Um I'm really glad that it expands on this universe. It was like they made a lot of different breadcrumbs in Lego Movie 1. Uh, So I'm curious if they were thinking about multiple movies when they did that with the New Worlds and the time travel and things like that. So I'm always glad that they were having a nice fresh story on top of what's already there. That just kind of gets more buy-in and allows you to get more people to be involved and kind of curious about the Lego film. I think I talked with Emma. She hasn't even seen the first movie. And so I'm like, well, there's no point in you watching the second movie. So – but watch the first one first. Um, so I, I'm glad it wasn't like a retread, but I'm also glad they put more of an emotional element into this movie. Um, like we had talked about, like the Lego movie number one, I really enjoyed. I thought the, the movie was definitely like entertaining and a Marvel on film. And I thought that was great. But there was not a lot of emotional um, beats into that movie besides just Emmett and who he is as a person and anybody can be the special Whereas now in this movie, I felt like they actually have a human component and a bit more emotional stakes, which I thought was actually great. Uh, Another thing I actually meant to mention and another thing I liked about this movie was they created this concept of creation in the first movie of... Being master builders, and I think one of the things I really liked was they when they are looking at different parts, they have the no, the number of the piece of part on it, and they were able to kind of create whatever they want. And so that's their lore, right? That's what they have created in the first film. In this film, it's then reversed, and so Emmet learns how to destroy things and breaks breaks it down, and that's like. A way to kind of just just get rid of everything, and I thought that was actually great too. At the same time, he's the person who creates it. Can has a is the person to destroy. So I'm curious to see if somebody else becomes uh, has the ability to do that too, because we haven't seen anybody else be able to destroy things like he can. Um, so I thought they definitely kind of created like their own universe. I would love for them to keep going. I definitely do not want any side stories though we've seen it already with lego batman it was not very good as much as i want to yeah. see benny and the jets <laughs> uh the spaceships <laughs> uh as much as i want to see that like make it a side like make it a smaller kind make of thing. A tv
1: series yeah
0: no no make it like a short film and like let's let, it, let, it, let it go yeah exactly yeah youtube short but um kind of keep going with this you know i i'm curious to see when the next time to make this movie right and if it's going to be treading on the footsteps of toy story because right. really we have not too many um animated uh movies like this that talks about toys really i think we don't have that many but could be i could i can go check so definitely kind of keep up the good work i really really enjoyed really love this movie i don't know which one i like more Um, I like the subtleties of movie number one and all the other stuff that was kind of put behind it. And they didn't really address a lot of the uh, dressing on the actual movie itself. Um, But I just enjoyed all the emotional beats of it. So I definitely say if you are going to watch this movie, watch number one. Again, both of these movies are under two hours. So it's definitely going to make for an easy watch. And with that... We have the Donna Front Podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks so much, Bryland, for hanging out with me tonight and uh, being on here as you normally are for being an amazing uh, co-host. Where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Uh, You
1: can find me uh, building or destroying things on – Twitter at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Uh, you can also see me posting many movie and TV reviews on Instagram at Bryland, or enjoy one of my uh, delicious memes I put up from time to time. I
0: love a delicious meme especially uh, the. there was the one funny one that you talk about eating I think today I think that was hilarious <laughs> so I really enjoyed that um, check out more of our work at Podcast.com. there you'll be able to see our um, all of our artwork all of our previous recordings our video teasers we have some bios of the crew members we have some my news band music information in there we have some friends with blends and other projects that we do there so definitely go check that out uh, if you're on the social media I mean we're on Reddit we're on Facebook We're on Twitter, so just search for Podcast.com on the Reddit, on Twitter, at underscore DAFP, on Facebook is facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast. Um, If you like what we do and you want to actually support us, definitely consider becoming a patron. Anything and everything is going to be helpful. We are actually kind of revamping that program to kind of bring more and more content for you. A lot of the things that we talk about a lot, uh, we want to make sure that you have the availability to then kind of create for there. So, uh, Definitely check that out. That's patreon.com slash patreon.com slash down in front podcast. Uh, if you actually want to kind of hang out with us, we're actually an entertaining idea of joining our discord channel that we talk about some of the other reviews and other the conversations we have. So we'll be seeing if we can kind of post that information either in the show notes and maybe a link soon. Um, so de- definitely kind of stay tuned for that. And if you are do like streaming, we are actually on Spotify. So definitely kind of search for us on Spotify for down in front podcasts and we appreciate it. Mr. Bryland. What is our next review?
1: Our next review will be Alita Battle Angel. Mm. Or as the original manga title is Battle Angel Alita.
0: Interesting. I didn't realize it was a manga. I'm pretty sure they're going to bastardize it and destroy that. But I think it should be fine. Hopefully it's an enjoyable movie. I haven't really seen too many manga to American-made films that's go, been a success. <laughs> shut your mouth! <laughs> you shut your damn mouth right now. Right.
1: Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I already got beef with this movie because oh boy, there's no reason to flip the title. I mean, keep it the way it is. I love the anime as a kid. So
0: interesting. Didn't know it was anime. Okay, well, we'll yeah. see. I think I'm already signed up to check that out tonight on Valentine's Day. So that'll be a perfect movie. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, thanks, everybody. I appreciate it, and have a good night. There was just so much good music in this damn movie like I'm I'm all about that.